Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I've got something in my heart this morning. Actually, the Lord spoke to me very clearly about this, about what to minister on, and and uh, so we're, I'm going to endeavor to get it done this morning because, you know, I know we're not all back on Sunday nights, which you are all welcome to join us. But um, uh, like I said, something in my heart this morning that the Lord specifically uh, put, placed in my heart to talk about. And uh, how many of you know that uh, we serve a great God? And aren't you glad to know that the promises of God, they're rich? And the things he's uh, promised to do in our lives, they're amazing. And his hand upon our life, there's nothing like it. And really, the life of the, of the believer is really the only life to be lived. And no matter what anybody might say, it is a blessed life. It is a good life. It is a, it is a, a rewarding life. And, you know, uh, I'm thankful for what awaits us when we get to heaven. But I'm also grateful for the realization that what, what awaits us there is available to us now. And so... You know, uh, he's given us great and precious promises and, and wonderful things. And, and just life is to be enjoyed. And life is to be, uh, 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 to really to be seized and gone after. And so it's a blessing to know him and to live life for Jesus. But how many know that in life we do, we do face some things? I said in life we do face some things. And so this morning I was talking a little bit about difficult seasons and and uh, just discuss a few things. And, uh, and like I said, there's a lot of things that, that were on my heart. And so I'm just trusting that the Lord will help me uh, kind of pick through what's important for us this morning and, and exactly what, what we would look at. But like I said, life isn't always perfect. There's, there are things that come our way. Jesus said in John 16, I'll just read it to you. He said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so he says here, you will have tribulation, and, and, and tribulation just means pressure. It just means there'll be pressure. How I many you know that in life, a lot of times pressure comes our way? And you say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you live long enough, you'll experience pressure. We, are, we all go through phases and stages of pressure, stages and phases of things, that situations that arise that aren't comfortable, that aren't, that aren't the best, that aren't ideal. The good news is we know that he's overcome them. We know that's true. So we know that our victory is secure. But at the same point, there are difficult situations that come our way. And, and, and we're going to look at a few things this morning, and, and uh, I think it'll be a help to us. But being aware of these things and knowing how to navigate them and how to approach them is so important to success. It's so important that, that we do this the right way. I'm reminded of the scriptures in uh, Psalms 23. It says, Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so it didn't say that, I, I, that I'll never walk through the valley. It says, but as I do, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you guide me. You, you, you direct me. You comfort me. All the things that he's promised to do in our life. And so, you know, there are things that are going to arise and come our way. We need to know how to handle these things and, and how to maneuver through some of these things. And so whether you're in the midst of something right now or not, uh, if you are, God's got your answer. Amen. And, and if you're not, you will, these things will likely come your way, but you also can help those who are going through things in facing things. And so, uh, like I said, some things we want to talk to about this morning and, and, um, uh, and just look at. So, uh, just real fast, uh, there are many reasons why difficult situations and difficult situations arise. And oftentimes, you know, we think about, uh, various things, but I really had in my heart just to start with this, you know, our mistakes and disobedience, a lot of times are why difficult things come our way. 
You know, the, in, in Haggai, it talks about to, um, uh, to consider your ways. A lot of times we want to consider everybody else's ways, but how do you know it's important we consider our own ways first? You know, over the last several years, something that's just the Lord's just been doing personally with me a lot, and I believe this is important, is, uh, you know, just having me do a lot of self-evaluation. It's something that if you've heard me talk much, you know, I talk a lot about self-evaluation and looking at yourself and examining your walk and examining where you're at and and I've used the example before of a GPS, you know, uh, when you go somewhere, if you don't know your location, you can't get accurate directions to get to the desired goal. If you don't know exactly where you are, you won't be able to get to where you need to be if you don't know where you are. And so knowing, knowing your location, first and foremost, is so, so important. So considering our ways is such a vital thing. And I won't spend a lot of time on this, but like I said, a lot of the things that we come into in life are because of our own doing and things that we have caused and our own disobedience. And not, what is disobedience? Not obeying, not doing as the Lord directs us to do. And, and um, because of that, we miss out and we fall short of, of things that God wants in our lives and what he uh, desires for us. And so we can get ourselves in situations, but God can get us out. Amen. And so examining ourselves is such an important thing. And, uh, you know, I told this story a while back, you know, I was a kid, uh, uh, just trying to think of some, something ridiculous. I like to tell stories of myself when I was a kid, you know, I'd had uh, been goofing off in school in the sixth grade. I mean, I'm telling the story and hadn't been doing my homework and had been talking a lot in class. And it's hard to imagine me talking a lot, but, uh, uh, have been talking a lot in class and my report card came out and I, I didn't get an A, B, C, D, or even an F. I got an I. And I means incomplete. There was so little information, she couldn't even give me a grade. And so, uh, I mean, you know, that's, not a, that's, not, that's not good. And so uh, I got the report card, and, and you're supposed to take it home. And she wanted a parent-teacher conference. And long story short, I hid it in my backpack for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I kept telling my teacher, no, they're out of town. They've left the country. I mean, all this stuff. And she's thinking, man, your parents have been gone forever. What are you doing? And so I made up all these stories. And at home, my parents were asking me, didn't your report card come out? Yeah, they lost mine. They haven't to have it reprinted. I'm just digging a hole deeper and deeper. And, and I wasn't smart enough in my sixth grade mind to put the report card somewhere where it would stay nice and pretty and looking new like our kids do. So it was all jumbled up. So finally, when I couldn't lie any longer, I brought it out and it was tattered and falling apart. And I got my report card today. And because I knew that I was a dead man and, and, uh, I caused myself some difficulty. So I went through a difficult season and it was completely my responsibility. And uh, we all know what that means. We've all been there. And so thank God for the grace of God. We've all missed it. We've all fallen short and God's grace is there to help us. But acknowledging where we are, before we even looking at any, anybody else, it's such an important thing, uh, recognizing where we are, and, and, and if we've caused it, make it right. If we've caused it, do something. I know that's simple, but a lot of times people don't want to do that. I've been doing this long enough to know that people are stubborn, and I know myself well enough to know that oftentimes I am very stubborn. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so acknowledging these things is important. So obviously, you know, we want to look at ourselves. And, uh, but another reason why, you know, tax come or, or uh, difficulties come in our life, we know in 1 Peter, you can turn there, 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Just a few things here in the beginning, 1 Peter chapter 5. People want to blame it on this all the time, but this isn't always what it is. But this is a very real source of of persecution or trouble that comes our way. In 1 Peter chapter 5, the 8th verse, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. 
And so we can see here that we have to be aware, we have to be alert that the enemy does try to bring things in our life. And so pastor's been talking about, you know, the authority of the name of Jesus and taking our rights and taking a stand. And these things are important. We need to resist the work of the enemy in our life, right? When he tries to bring things our way, times of difficulty, stand up to him. Don't just let it happen. Don't just deal with it. A lot of times we're, we're too easy to adapt. How many of the things that Jesus died and shed his blood for we shouldn't adapt to? I'll say that again. The things that Jesus died and shed his blood for, we shouldn't adapt to. He's already paid the price and made the way of escape. So let's take our stand and not accept anything he tries to bring our way. And so, but it is a very real thing the enemy does, but we have the victory. Amen. And so the enemy does bring things our way, but there's also another area in second Timothy, the third chapter, second Timothy, uh, chapter three. This is Paul speaking. I have such respect for Paul. I can't wait to meet him when we get to heaven. But uh, the man was just uh, uh, truly an amazing example to us. And uh, not only did he bring a lot of revelation for us, but he was a great example to us. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 10, it says, But you carefully, you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, verse 11, persecutions, Afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. You know, Paul was, was even noting here that he suffered a lot of things and went through a lot of tr uh, tests and trials and, and issues. And, and uh, he said, wow, what persecutions I endured. If we were to go back and read the story and just uh, take into account all the things that Paul went through, he went through a lot. Uh, in the deep and, and, and stone, rocks thrown at him and, 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 and left for dead and all kinds of stuff happened to Paul. But I love the next verse in this. He says, yes, all who desire, we went on to say, he said, all who desire to live, I don't, not that I love this. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But I do know this, what well, he went on to say, sorry, in verse 11, what persecutions I endured and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And so no matter the things he went through, he said the Lord delivered him out of all of them. That's why he was able to write to them. And so I'll just say this, no matter where you find yourself, the Lord is able to deliver you out of them all. It depends on where our trust is. It depends on where our attention is going. Where are you trusting? It goes back to examination. What are you doing about it? What responsibility, what action are you taking in the situation? But he said here, the Lord delivered me out of them all, out of them all. Verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The Message Bible that says anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble. There's no getting around it. Aren't you glad you came for a good, good, encouraging message this morning? So there's no, there's no way of getting around it. You know, like I said, Paul went through a lot of things. I immediately thought about uh, Paul and Silas in uh, Acts chapter six. You know, we've got the account of uh, Paul and Silas and and uh, we, of course, you know, we, we, we always look at uh, them being in jail and imprisoned and, and raising their voice and praising God in the midnight hour, you know, the Lord opening up their, uh, the jail cell. But how they got there is, is, is an interesting story, how they got there. In, in Acts chapter 6, we'll just look at a few things. Um, uh, Acts chapter 16, sorry. Acts the 16th chapter. And... Um, you have here this, the account. And of course, you know, verse 6, Acts 16, verse 6. said, so now when they had gone through Pyregia, the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. 
And after they come to uh, Mysia, they tried to go into Beth, whatever that name of that place was, uh, but the Spirit did not permit them. Permit them. So, by, so passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and, a vision, and in a vision, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, "Come over to Macedonia and help us." Now, after they had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. Concluding that the Lord called us to preach the gospel to them. So we can see here that they were going somewhere and the Lord forbid them to go, but actually directed them to another place. And of course, as the story goes on, you know, they were directed to this place and, and uh, they met the, the house of Lydia and her household and led them to the Lord. And, and a great work was started there. But then also you had the, uh, the, the, the young girl that was a soothsayer, the fortune teller. She was the Miss Cleo of her day, you know, and so... Uh, so she was a fortune teller. So she, she was going around saying, these are the men of God, you know, and, and all this stuff. And of course, we know the story that after a time, Paul uh, told her to be quiet, told her to shut up. And, and uh, so they prayed for her and delivered her. So you'd think, you know, the Lord directed them to go somewhere. Uh, and, and gave them specific direction not to go here, but to go there. And they went and they were producing fruit, great things for the kingdom of God. And you would think, well, man, they're doing God's will. Surely that God's hand would, would just, they, they wouldn't experience any trouble. It would just be roses and just easy time that the town there would just pour out the red carpet for them. Oh, you did all of this. We're so grateful. No, what they do, they, they stirred up uh, trouble and raised, raised Cain, you know, and, and caused a big deal and got them thrown into jail. See, persecution comes our way, and, and you know, anytime the children of God begin to stand up and begin to take their place in the kingdom of God and begin to enforce uh, uh, the will of heaven on the earth, the, the spirits of this age begin to resist us and begin to stand up and cause us problems and try to stop the work of God from being done. And so, uh, you know, I, if you have any light at your house, it's going to attract some bugs, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? If you have light, it's going to attract some bugs. Well, when you're, you're uh, uh, showing the light and spreading the light of the gospel, we're going to have opposition. And so a lot of times opposition and difficult seasons come because we're actually doing what we need to do. I'll say this as a side note. If you're not getting any persecution for the gospel's sake, your light might not, may not be shining. Thank you for those few amens, but it's the truth. If you never receive any persecution... For the gospel's sake, your light might not be shining as brightly as it could be. Amen. How I many know the light needs to not only shine in our life for us personally, but our light needs to shine so that others can see what the truth is as well. Amen. Sometimes we're so, we're, we can get so focused on making sure the light is shining in our situations, which is good. Our finances, our bodies, our families, those things are great. But how I many know that our light ought to be shining into the darkness of other people's lives, pointing the way of truth for them? Amen. And so anytime you begin to do that, persecution is going to arise. Situations are going to come your way and opposition is going to come. And so, uh, you know, difficult seasons a lot of times come our way because of who we are. It's important that, that we're aware of this. And, and um, you know, whenever we, we, we come into these things, we don't fall to the temptation to run. Paul and Silas, the first word, first note of, of, of trouble could have ran, but they didn't. They stayed put. You know, I was thinking earlier today, this morning and last night, you know, about this, um, you know, so we've all been through things. And I know when Amy and I, when we left uh, 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 Tulsa, you know, we went to Jacksonville and it was a period for us. It was a, a great time of, of, of learning and I'm glad we went. We learned a lot, got to do a lot of things and experiment in some different areas, uh, uh, some good things and learn. But it was also a difficult season for us. Just the season we were there was just tough on us. And, 
And, you know, the temptation was there a lot for us just to run and just to go and, and to uh, many times, you know, uh, we would have this conversation, you know, one week it was my week. You know, I, I think we could pack our bags and, and we could be out of here and no one would know it. You know, they'll come to our house, wonder where we are, and it's just empty. You know, there'll be for, for sale sign and we'll have any idea what happened. And Amy like, no, we can't do that. We got to stay where the Lord tells us to be. It's oh, okay, you're right. And the next week she walks up, well, maybe we could pack that U-Haul. And, and, and so I said, no, 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 we can't do that. We have to stay put. And so we went back and forth and and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be on the same page spiritually so that when you get off the same page emotionally, you can keep each other steady, right? And so that's why our relationships being grounded in the word are so important. But we went through periods where it was difficult and there was a temptation to run, a temptation to, to go. Why? Well, we were doing what the Lord was calling, told, telling us to do, had called us to do. And, and I'll say this, we had opportunities to do other things. Another side note, I had a professor in college that he was from Africa and his accent was very difficult to understand. And, and this has stuck with me all these years and has nothing to do with my message today, but he would say aside, and it was a side note to what he was talking about. It had nothing to do with the, te- the class. Come to find out his test included all of the asides that had nothing to do with the class. So uh, the first test, I didn't realize this and did horribly because it was a lot of aside issues. So for uh, long story short, all these years, it's a, I always think aside. So, um, you know, a side note on that is opportunities doesn't mean just because you have an opportunity doesn't mean you need to do something. Like I said, difficulties come our way sometimes because we took a great opportunity instead of taking the tough assignment. We took a great opportunity and an easy opportunity and resisted the difficult or tough assignment, one that we knew would cost us something. Anything worth having, there's going to be a price you're going to have to pay. Amen. Anything worth having, there's going to be a price you're going to have to pay. But so we were tempted to go. We had opportunities to do other things. But, uh, but no, you know, we stayed put and, and did what the Lord told us to do. And, and I'm not bragging on us. I'm bragging on God's faithfulness because he carried us through. When it was all said and done, it made sense to us why we did it. It made sense why we were there. Thankful that we did it. Thankful that it was an opportunity, yes, for God to prove himself faithful to us. But it was a great opportunity for us to prove ourselves faithful to him. And uh, if he's going to trust us with more, we had to have been proven faithful. And in any advancement in life, you're going to have to be proven to be faithful where you are before you get advanced into the next area. Amen. And so anyways, a lot of times persecution comes through these things. And so, and I'll say this, is God, in, is God, is persecution God's will? Of course not. Does he sponsor persecution? No, but he does provide the answer. Amen. He does submit uh, or, or, or help us in these areas of life. Amen. So just this morning with the time we have left, we we'll talk a little bit about things, about how to respond, things that are important. We all know that persecution comes or, or difficult situations or seasons arise in life. We don't need to spend more time on that. But how do we respond on things? There were some things that the Lord gave me, and I think they're important to us. And so the first thing I would say is this. Remember the word, the word of the Lord in your life. Remember the word of the Lord in your life. You know, our first response ought to always be to run to God's word. What has he said to us? This here is our greatest source of information. The greatest thing we have right here is God's word. It is a foundation for our life. It is a light unto our path. It directs the very next step we're, we're, we're to take. A lot of times we want to have the steps 10 miles down the road, but it doesn't always work that way. But he will give you the next step you need to take. And so be run to God's word and know that his word 
is the thing that will keep you solid and secure in life. And so the things that he has spoken to you, I, I've started keeping track of things that the Lord has even spoken over me through people that I respect in the Lord. I started writing those things down so I can go back why and review those things because times and seasons comes where it looks like what was spoken. It looks like what God has spoken and it looks like what God has spoken through others. It doesn't look like there's any possible way, but you go back and you look at these things and you begin to, 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 uh, rehearse them and go over them. There is a confidence that arises on the inside of you. His word brings confidence in our life. The word spoken to you will bring confidence. And so if your word level is getting low, if your time fellowshipping around the promises of God and, and, and the things he's spoken to us, if that becomes small, you really get your place and self into a place where difficult seasons and situations have adverse effects. They should have never had, had we been strong, what the Lord has said to us. You know, one, something one minister said, he said, um, sometimes we, we, he doesn't need to speak something if he's already spoken. A lot of times we want to run to the Lord when difficult situations arise. I've been there myself as anybody else where something's come up and I need a word from the Lord instead of running to what he's already said. Does he have something to say? Yes, he has things to say, but what he's already said is never vo uh, voided or nullified. So go back to what he's already said. He says sometimes he doesn't need to speak if he's already spoken. We need, we need him to speak when he's saying something new. You know, there are times where we're in situations where there has to be new directions got to be given. And so, yes, he's got something to speak then, but don't just be looking for new direction when you're not doing the direction he's already given. Right? And so a lot of times this goes back to self-examination. Are you doing what he's already told you to do? Are you being faithful to do what he's already said? In my life personally, I know this, that if I've been disobedient to obey what he's instructed me to do, he is painfully quiet in those times. He is painfully quiet in those times when I have refused to obey and listen. He just doesn't say a whole lot. And the truth is, the reality is, I don't want him to say anything new if I haven't been doing what he said, because if he does have to speak, it's usually not pleasant. I've had him before ask me, are you going to keep asking me about this or do what I told you to do? You know, it's one thing if your mom or dad says that to you when you're a kid, it's a whole other thing when God says it to you and, oh, he's sweet and loving. He is sweet and loving, but sometimes sweet and loving means you still have to get your attention and it stings a little bit. Okay, I'll talk to you later. I'm going to go back and do that, right? What does he talk to you about? Are you, are you doing these things? Are you looking for something new or going back over uh, uh, what he's already spoken to you? If he hasn't changed the subject, we need to review what he said. So remember to remember the word of the Lord in your life. Continually to go back on these things. And, and like I said, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on any one of these because I want to finish this this morning and be done with it. But it's so important we keep this in front of us. If you're not doing this already, the things that the Lord's spoken in your life in your own personal time that he's spoken to you, begin to write those things down. It's a huge source of encouragement in your life. If you're not doing it, I encourage you to do it because I go back over those things and read them and, oh yeah, the Lord did say that to me. He did tell me that. I know his voice and I know that was him and I don't care what it looks like. This is what God said to me. So I'm going to be, I'm going to keep my attention on this versus looking at what it looks like right now. It's an important thing to do in our life. Amen. It'll be a big help to you. So remember the word of the Lord. Keep your eye on the prize. Hebrews chapter 12. You can look at this. Hebrews the 12th chapter. And I hope if you're, if you're going through some stuff, you're taking some notes or at least paying really close attention because these things are so important, so important, so important in our life. 
Hebrews chapter 12, the first verse, it says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, if there wasn't something to, if there, if there wasn't difficulty, if there wasn't struggle there, if there wasn't opposition, you wouldn't have to endure, endure anything. Run with endurance a race that is set before us. Number two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's also our example. For who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The second thing I would say is this, keep your eye on the prize. What are those things? It goes, it falls right in line with what has he spoken to you? Keep your eye on those things, but then keep it as a goal you're moving towards. Jesus had many reasons and opportunities to say, you know what? This is too much. Wouldn't you agree? He went through things that we could not even imagine. And yet he stood the course. He, 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 he took the mocking and the shame and the discomfort of the whole situation. He took all of it. Why? For the joy that was set before him, that was you and I. And I know these things, these are things that we know, but it is so easy to say, well, you know what? I'll take second best. Let's not settle for second best. Let's go after the prize, the goal, the promise that's been placed there. Listen, our marriages, Steve talked about marriages earlier, they're worth fighting for. I said they're worth fighting for. Even in the, even in the times where you want to kill each other, it's worth fighting for. Not that kind of fight, the good God kind of fight, right? Oh, I'm fighting for it, brother. No, not that kind of fight, but the good kind of fight. It's worth doing that. It's worth doing that. They say the divorce rate is the same amongst believers as it is amongst people who don't know Jesus. It's exactly the same now. It ought not be that way. Now, there's no condemnation. If you've been through that, praise God. You know, God's faithful. He'll forgive you. Find out where your deal was and, and make it right and move on, right? But it shouldn't be that way in our lives. We can have better. I mean, you know, we're going to have some opposition in those areas. It's easy to give up on your kids. I mean, you know, it can be easy to give up on your kids. We ought not do those things. It can be easy in any area to say, you know what, I'll settle for something else. No, keep your eye on the prize. Why did we not leave Jacksonville? Because there was something God had called us to do. So I had, we had our eyes on that. No matter how difficult it was going to be, we're going to stay the course until he says to go. He eventually said, you can go. It's funny. He said to go as soon as we got comfortable where we were and dealt with ourselves. Isn't that funny how he works? When we finally got okay to be where we were and do what he asked us to do, and you know what? We'd gotten good at ignoring all the things and, and, and really had gotten good at enduring certain things. And he said, all right, now you can leave, right? At me for not doing it sooner, right? No, stay the course. But you go after what God, keep the, keep the prize in front of you, amen? The second, the next thing to do is ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. And this is something that, that we all must do on a regular basis. Turn over to James chapter 1. James, the first chapter. James, the first chapter. This is something we ought to be doing on a regular basis right here. James chapter 1. In the second verse, it says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, produces patience. 
But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Remember, don't bolt before the time. Don't head for the hills before your assignment is done, right? He said, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect uh, and complete, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, now this is directly tied to trials and tests and trials. Things were to count as all joy. Even the things that are not comfortable or fun, you count them as joy and you, you stick with it, right? You have patience in the situation. He says, ask if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Wisdom is so important in our lives. Asking for God's wisdom is vital. I just know this, that I've been there. We face things. And you can be doing everything you know to do. How many know what we know to do is not always enough? I had a few, or that's right, and yeah. It's not always enough. God knows the answer for your situation. He knows exactly what it is you need to be doing. He knows exactly what it is. He knows where you are. He knows the coordinates to get you where you need to be. Ask him for wisdom. He knows all the potholes, all the detours, all the traffic stops. He knows them all, but you got to ask him for wisdom. So often we go to other people and ask them for wisdom. I've done that before. Go to somebody else and get their opinion. Listen, good godly advice is great as long as it's godly advice. If, a God, if advice caters to the flesh, you ought to check it. If advice in a situation, and I, I didn't intend on saying this, but advice that you receive in a situation when you're going through a difficult season, advice that feels good and looks like something, yeah, oh, that's, that's gotta be God. I, I got you better check that thing at the door. You have to check. You have to hold that thing in under the light, under the light of God's word. Is that wise? Is that the wisdom of God? Or is that the wisdom of this age? There is a wisdom of this age, but it comes to nothing. Or you can say it this way. It caught, you won't come into what God has for you using the wisdom of this age. We must go after, pursue, and latch a hold of the wisdom of God. Right? The answer, I, I, was, I, I got somebody I was talking to. They don't go here. They don't live in this area. But, you know, going through some situations in their marriage. So listen, I know this is what it feels like you should do. But this, what, does the, what is God telling you to do? What is he instructing you to do in this situation right now? You got to do that. Yeah, but that's difficult. That's your answer. But if I do this, this, this might happen. But also this might happen. God might actually come through and work on your situation. But if you don't give him a chance, then there's nothing he can even work with. God's wisdom is so important in our lives. It's so important in our lives. I'd encourage you, if you're going through something right now and you get home today, Lord, I need your help. I need, I need wisdom in this situation. I need godly wisdom in this situation. Bring things back to my remembrance that I've forgotten. Bring, help bring things up. Lord, guide me, direct me. It's so important. There's grace there in this area of our life. There's grace there. And the good news is you know how to hear from the voice of, you know how to hear the spirit of God. You know, hear, know how to hear God's voice. He goes on to say, let him ask in faith without wavering, without doubting. You know how to hear his voice. You know how to get that wisdom. Even in the midst of situations that are screaming at you, you know how to hear the voice of God. I'm not so sure, PG. You do. Jesus said, my children know my voice. If you're his kid, you know his voice. Start meditating on that. You know his voice. And no matter what the situation is, I know his voice. But I don't fit. doesn't matter what you feel like. I hear his voice. I know his voice. I recognize the spirit of God. Get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. 
It's such an important thing. The next thing is, is something that uh, is, is really, all, most of these goes down to, comes down to really ourselves. You know, it's interesting, we want to control, we want to, we want in situations that arise, we want to point out where other people are missing it. So many things are where we are and how we're, how we're dealing with it, how we're approaching it. But uh, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, it says, keep with all diligence or keep, or keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. You know, one of the things that it, and I, and I, I, I titled it this way, maintain an honorable life with a person on your job, give honor to whom honor is due. You know, thinking about this, you know, the life of David, when we think about the life of David, uh, you know, we think of the, the high notes, you know, the key things like uh, David and Goliath and, and, uh, uh, we think of the bad things, you know, Bathsheba and, and we think of these kind of things, but there's a whole period of his life that we don't a lot of times go to and look at, but the whole period of his life where he was anointed king and yet he wasn't serving as king. And Saul was in charge and, and Saul's heart became hardened toward the Lord. And the anointing that was on Saul had lifted and had moved on to David. And yet David was not in that position yet. And so uh, he went through a period of difficulty. You say it lightly. He went through a period of difficulty. Saul chased him and hunted him and tried to kill him repeatedly. You know the story in 1 Samuel. And so you've got this young man goes back to, I'm sure he was probably thinking when all this started, why is this happening to me? I was just minding the sheep. I was doing a good job at it. And this joker comes and anoints me king. Why he could have picked my brother. Why, I, I didn't ask to be picked. Right? Why, why, why is all this going on? I showed up, you know, when Goliath was there and everybody else was standing around. I just wanted free tax. I didn't want to be ta live a tax-free life. I didn't want any of this. Right? And yet, this is the situation David found himself in. It's interesting, and if you read through these accounts of David and his, his interaction with Saul, in 1 Samuel 26, you can turn there, 1 Samuel 26, um, You know, it's said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. Didn't say he was perfect, but he did say he was a man after God's own heart. And that keeping of his heart in these situations is really what, what kept, him, kept him steady and on track. We have here, this is the second time that, uh, uh, that Saul's come after David. And, and, um, and before we read this, you know, the first time he came after David... He, he was in, Saul was in a cave and, and was stooped down, uh, relieving himself. We won't go into any detail. And David crawled up behind him and had an opportunity to take his life. And yet just cut the corner of his robe, but didn't take his life. He had an opportunity to take matters in his own hands, but he didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't go after, even though Saul was violently chasing after him, David restrained himself, even in opportunities, now, he did take, make, take his opportunity to make a point. I could have, but I didn't, right? But, but he didn't actually do it. He didn't do anything to Saul. He even got up right so close to take the, the, the corner off of his garment. But notice here in, in, uh, first, in, in the 26th chapter, verse 11, he said, The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by its head and let us go. He said, The, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Maintaining a life or an attitude of honor is such an important thing, even in the midst of difficult situations. 
honorable toward your coworkers, honorable to your spouse, honorable to different ones you come into contact with, even the ones that might be the very seemingly the source of the problem or the one that the enemy is using to bring this against you, being honorable in that situation is everything. I mean, a lot of times our, our actions can be clear, but our heart not be right. We can stay the course and not yield to the temptation to respond in a way that, that we know is not right, and yet our heart is not honorable, but we're doing the right thing because we we're, we're entertaining these thoughts. We're, 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 we're letting ourselves go down these lines of thinking about what if I did this and what if. I mean, no, that's not honorable. You know, when, when I was, uh, we were in Jacksonville, you know, actually when we were in Tulsa, uh, I was working at the bank of Oklahoma and, um, uh, I was a teller there and I've probably told this before, but, uh, I actually got fired while I was working there. Yeah, I got fired from a job. And so I had never been fired before. I have never been fired since. And, uh, 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 I don't get fired from here. But anyway, uh, so I'm just kidding. Uh, I had gotten fired. And so I was, I was a commercial teller, you know, I did all the commercial deposits and helped out with other stuff. And we had a very busy branch and, and, uh, I stayed really busy, get out of class. I'd go to prayer school and, and we would, I would race down to, I had it down to a science. It took me like two and a half minutes to get from, you know, from, from the door of prayer school to my desk, you know, so I would race every day and get in just as quick as I could and, and, um, uh, and be on time. And, uh, and so I, I was never out of balance, never had an issue. I ended up, uh, uh, being $5,000 short one day. And, and I mean, $5,000 short is, is not good when you're a teller at a bank. That's not a good deal. And so I had never been, I was never out, out of balance ever. I mean, I'm maybe once or twice and the whole time I was there was maybe a penny or something a day, but I was never out of balance. And I was pretty diligent to be careful about it, but I was out $5,000 a day. Well, they, then normally they just fire you immediately when that happens. And then they reserve the right to prosecute you. So I'm like, I didn't lose five grand. I surely didn't pocket it. I mean, you know, we're eating Raymond noodles, you know, at home. We're not eating it. So I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what happened to it. So I didn't take it. Well, you know, they didn't fire me right away because they knew this guy's never out of balance. So they went a couple of weeks, they investigated, tried to find it, never could find it. Finally, they ended up firing me and, and they decided, good news, we're not going to prosecute you. I go, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I left and I worked as a telemarketer for a short amount of time. Please be nice to those people when they call you. Uh, uh, it's a tough job, but if it's one of those robots who calls you, just hang up on them. But if they're, if they have this job, they're not liking it. Trust me. So I did this for a few months and it was terrible, uh, but the Lord provided. And then I got a job with the company that I uh, stayed with until we came here full time at the church. And so it was a real blessing. And even in the midst of all about going through opposition, going through uh, a time of trouble, right? I didn't do anything. And yet I'm getting fired. My reputation has been, has been, uh, has been, you know, tainted, you know, people thinking, well, there's no proof, but well, if you can't find it. He must have done something. Long story short, they found out a while later that somebody I worked with had actually stolen it. And she had, she had stolen like $80,000 when they quit counting. And, and she was very, very smart, was keeping these numbers all in her head running for a long period of time. And she was shorting the vault and she just shorted it for me. And it was supposedly a friend of ours. But anyway, um, so praise God for that. But anyway, so I didn't do it. So eventually they, I was vindicated, you know, a while, a couple years later, they found that it wasn't actually me. But, um, so, you know, talking about a bad situation, right? So I got this job working for, for you know, a Citibank. And when you just get fired from a job for stealing money, for losing money, you don't get jobs at another bank doing mortgages. That just doesn't happen, right? I got the job, wasn't qualified for it, got the job. So really God had, God had, seen, had seen it out for me, right? So this is something that was a job when we left Jacksonville, we transferred or left 
Tulsa transferred with in Jacksonville. It really met our needs for a while. When we got there in, into, into Jacksonville, I had a boss that just didn't like me. I know it's hard to imagine, but she just didn't like me. Can't like this guy? Why, right? And, and she, just, she just had it out for me, so much so that I found out she was trying to get me fired. And, and there wasn't enough proof on her end of something I was doing wrong to fire me. I was trying to get number two firing, right? And so she was calling the district manager in to, to have him come fire me. And, and they would, he would and, you know, ask me all these questions and just didn't make any sense. This guy knows what he's doing. Actually, I like him. And so he wouldn't fire me. But anyway, long story short there, they ended up transferring me to another branch and everything was great. But, but the whole time I was there, it was difficult. It was part of the season we went through while we were there. I mean, you know, we're starting out in ministry and, and we're very, very, very busy. And yet I'm working, you know, many, many hours, over 40 hours a week doing this job. It was a high pressure deal. And I got a boss that didn't like me, was just coming after me. And, and I don't know what it was. I can't tell you for sure, but I can only assume it was because I was a believer and she wasn't. The only thing I can, I can assume about it. I have no idea. And so, uh, but one of the things that during this whole period that I, I, I realized I had to do, I had to keep my heart right towards her. I had to keep my heart in the right place towards her. And how many know that was work? Hey, man, that was work, right? I mean, every day I would drive into work dreading being there. Have you ever been there before? Dreading being there and can't wait till I get out because I know that it's going to be eight hours of putting my flesh under Biting my tongue, it was difficult. We've been there, right? But <laughs> we got to keep our mouth shut. So, you know, I had opportunities to do it, but I, had, I knew I had to keep my heart right. I had to make sure that I treat her with honor, not because of her actions, but because of who she was. She was my boss. And the minute I wasn't being honorable to her, I deserved to lose my job. The minute I quit treating her with respect because they placed her there is the minute I would lose my job. I, I would be deserving of losing my job and I'd have no right to stand before God and, and plead my case. Well, I'm doing what I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be doing. I remember every week I would take her to, we had a Chinese place where we worked in the same uh, shopping center there. I'd take her almost every week. Amy hated it. I'd take her almost every week. We'd go to lunch and I'd pay for her lunch. Why? To make myself keep my heart right. I'm going to buy your lunch and I'm going to smile. I'm going to sit across from you. I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to bring any of this stuff up. I don't think she ever knew that I was freaking out every day. But it was something that I knew that I had to do. I had to pass this test. I had to pass this test. I had to do what I needed to do and do whatever it took. And for me, if I'm spending money on you, baby, I'm going to be nice, right? And so I take her out to lunch. I would, and she, she was much older than me, so there was no danger there. But I would go, you know, and we'd go as a group too sometimes. But uh, I'd always make sure I paid for hers. Why? Because I'm trying to keep my heart right. I'm trying to keep my heart right. Being honorable is such a thing. David, why did David get to where he was? I think this right here, he, he protected his heart. He protected his heart. Listen, whatever situation you're in, protect your heart. Protect your heart. Protect your heart. You can't afford to let bitterness, it's a root when it grows up. It actually, it, it, it causes damage to many others, not just yourself. Protect your heart. Remain, keep a life of honor. Dealing with your spouse in difficult situations. We're talking a lot about spouses, right? We're not having problems, trust me. Uh, uh, when you're dealing with things, your kids, coworkers, whatever it is, you gotta, you gotta remain from a position of being honorable in that, that relationship, in that situation. 
David had his opportunity, but opportunity doesn't mean the will of the Lord. He didn't do it. God forbid that I do something against God's anointed. Places authority at work. Authority, all authority comes from God, right? They may not be using it right, but you still got to honor the authority that they're walking in because it comes from God. I mean, this is not easy, but it's still required. I said, this isn't easy, but it's still required. It comes down to, do you want success or do you want failure? Do you want God's best or you want something second best? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to persevere in and to fight for? That, that's the question. We have to make sure we remain honorable in these situations. And then the last one I'll say is this one, run into his presence. Run into his presence. You know, we have no greater gift than access to the presence of God. We have no greater gift than access to the presence of God. There's no greater gift in life than access to him. You know, even this morning sitting here, God's presence is available to us. Well, yeah, we're at church. It should be. Yeah, it is. But you know, that same presence is available to you tomorrow at work. That presence is still available to you when you've got things going on, right? You can depend, learn to depend upon the presence of God. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm trying to mind, be mindful of Kira's request here. It says, um, Ephesians 2.18, you can write it down. It says, for through him, speaking of Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Hebrews chapter 4 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavenlies, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. The presence of the Lord is the most valuable resource that we have. I, I, wish, I wish that we get people more to, to recognize it and to value it. It's everything. It is everything, the presence of God. Psalms 16 says, you will show me the path of life. This is verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. How many know what the joy of the Lord does for us? Anybody know what it is in our life? It's our strength. It's our strength. So all of these things, we're, we're, we're looking at us, we're look, making sure that we're standing and doing what we need to do, but make sure you run to the presence of God. Really, in all of these, as you're examining yourself, you can do it, run to the presence of God. As you're being reminded of what he said, do it while you run to the presence of God. Right? While you're living and, and maintaining the right attitude of heart, do it as you run to the presence of God. Because in those times when doing those things are difficult, there's joy for you because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And his joy is the strength you need to get the job done to see you through the situation. Run after the presence of God. Run after the presence of God. Make it a point in your life to be something, the thing that you run to and you hide in the presence, that you're getting under the shadow of the Almighty. You're resting wide. There's security, there's safety there. I know these are things that we know, but oftentimes, and I've done it myself, we run to other places instead of running to our Father. 
If you're going to talk to somebody about a situation, talk to him first. Come on now. If you're going to go to somebody, go to our father first. Get into his presence about this situation. Find out where his vantage point is on that. His presence is everything. His presence is everything. Talking about David, you know, earlier and and one of later accounts in his life. We don't read this in the first Samuel 30, but he had taken off uh, uh, his men out to fight battle and they had come back and, and, uh, all their wives and children had all been taken hostage, you know, and, and so they're doing what the Lord told them to do. They come back and everybody's been taken hostage. And suddenly all of his men now want to kill him. All of his, all of his men are after him, right? What the Bible say about him said that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord in the midst of the, what did he, did he plead his case in front of them? First and foremost, no, he encouraged himself in the Lord. What does it mean? He got in God's presence. He spent time in God's presence. We referred to Paul and Silas. What did they do in the midst of all of that? They got into the presence of the Lord. Even with their feet shackled, in bonds, uncomfortable, bleeding backs, in the worst of the worst, they got into the presence of God. That's where their answer would be. Listen, if we don't make that our home, if we get used to going other places, we run the risk of staying in bondage and staying in difficulty instead of being delivered out of them. He will deliver us if we make his presence our aim. The presence of the Lord is everything in our life. It's everything in our life. We'll close here. I read this scripture, start off on John 16. It says, these things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world you have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Amplified says, I've told you these, I've told you these things so that, you, so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you, may, you have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. I've conquered it for you. You know, I had a couple other scriptures, we'll, we'll just stop there. But, you know, like I said, I had on my heart today to talk about these things because I know we go through stuff. And if people are facing things, listen, what has the Lord said to you? Don't let loose of that thing. Contend for those things. Pursue in those areas. I know it may not be the most exciting message today, but sometimes we just need some good encouragement to, to do what the Word says to do, right? To start and end in the presence of God. To keep His Word in front of us. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.